Hey, this is Jerry Galloway. I'm the pastor of LHA Church, and this is our podcast. Thank you for joining us today. I hope this encourages your heart, strengthens your faith, and gives you perspective that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. Well, let's go together in the Word to Matthew chapter 5 today. Matthew chapter 5 is where we're going to begin. We're going to pick back up with our Love, Live, Lead a series that we've been on throughout the year. And we're going to pick up today with Lead and begin uh, sharing in that direction. Matthew chapter 5. Matthew 5 and 13. Actually, we're going to read several passages together here this morning in preparation for sharing the word. Matthew 5 and verse 13. You're the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, if you go over to Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 1, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask of Him. Now, if you'll skip down to verse 16 with me. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do. For they disfigure their faces to show others that they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, They have received their reward in full. But when you fast, 
Put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Let's pray this morning. Father, as we've come together today in this place, Father, more than just simply going through the routines of life, Father, I ask you today that you would speak to us from the pages of your word. Father, we need to hear your voice. We need to hear, Father, your words to us today in this place. Father, I ask you today, just be here right now. Lord, I ask you to accomplish everything that you have intended and purposed for these people today gathered in this room. Father, we give you thanks for all you've already done. We give you thanks by faith and anticipation of what you are yet to do. Father, we give you thanks in the name of Jesus, our Savior and Lord. Amen and amen. Our text this morning comes to us from the Sermon on the Mount. And as we read through the Sermon on the Mount, we find a theme that runs throughout this sermon. And we find it especially in the passages that we've read today. That theme is the word authenticity. It's the authentic compared to the hypocrite. It's the real compared to the imposter. Jesus challenged to his disciples and to you and I, the Bible says, does not to be like the hypocrites. Hypocrites, now that's what we're all familiar with, aren't we? We've all heard that word used before. Maybe in your life you've used that word and said, ah, I'm not going to church. Church is full of a bunch of hypocrites. I don't want anything to do with Christianity. They're just a bunch of hypocrites. You know, authenticity is something that is quickly becoming a rare commodity in our world. We are confronted with a lack of trust throughout our nation. That lack of trust has been fueled by a lack of authenticity. We've seen it in our leaders. We've seen it in the news media. We've seen it on Facebook. We've seen it on other social media platforms. And really, I think that it's left us as a nation of people standing back and wondering, is there anybody who really tells the truth? Seems like those in the social spotlight continue to have dirty laundry that just keeps coming out concerning their lives. I don't know about you, but personally, I'm often bothered by that kind of atmosphere. And often that kind of atmosphere can lead us to a place of discouragement. 
But I think it's in the middle of that kind of atmosphere that you and I as believers in Christ, you and I as the church of the Lord Jesus, we are called to not only to love and to live this life, but we are called to lead and to do so with authenticity. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16 Jesus said, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds. And when they see them, they'll glorify your Father in heaven. It's the challenge to authenticity. That our lives would be the real deal. Our actions our deeds would be true so that when people see them, they will glorify our Father in heaven. Let me take you for a few minutes on a journey through the Word. Now, we know that when sin entered the human heart, that Genesis tells us when sin entered the human heart that God began to put a plan in motion. And we see it as early as the sacrifice that took place in the garden for Adam and Eve when they sinned and God made coverings for them. It was substitutionary atonement. What does that mean? It's when an innocent third party pays the penalty for the sin of another. From this point throughout the Old Testament, we see the foreshadowing of the Christ who would later come and would be the fulfillment of God's perfect plan to redeem mankind from his sin. It was a very difficult, a very troublesome time. But in the midst of that trouble, God had a plan. God is never moved by trouble. God is never caught off guard by trouble. Actually, it's in trouble when we see God's plan really coming together. When we head over into the Gospels, we find the revelation of that plan. Jesus Christ, the Messiah, was born in Bethlehem, Matthew 1 and verse 21, the angel of the Lord told Joseph concerning Mary these words, she will give birth to a son. You're to give him the name Jesus. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. He was born in Bethlehem. And the scriptures give us a bit of a biography, if you will, of him. In Luke 2 and 40, it says, And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. At the age of 30, we see Jesus begins his ministry on this earth. And God's plan ultimately culminates on a cross outside of Jerusalem on a hill called Golgotha. It was there that Jesus Christ died for the sins of man and for all time became the final sacrifice. Acts 4 and 12 reiterates that when it says salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name. Say no other. No other. 
There's no other name. There's not another opinion. There's not another uh, perspective. There is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Why is Jesus so important? Because his name is salvation. Why is his name important? Because he came to save his people from our sins. You and I were on our way to an eternity in a place called hell. But then Jesus, 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 Jesus came. Jesus came. Jesus came. Religion didn't come. Jesus came. Not a good teacher, not a good man. Jesus came. There is no other name. There is no other place. There is no other way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Jesus said, I am the gate, and all who get the Father must go through this gate. Jesus, Jesus, during his earthly ministry, we find the next phase of God's plan coming into place. Jesus called the 12, the disciples. Jesus came to this earth as the answer, as God's plan. But it would be the disciples who would carry on that plan. Jesus gave these words in Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Who owes the gospel for? All nations. What people? All nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now just before Jesus ascended, there came a time he came was born, grew up, the grace of God, the scripture says, were on him. He began his earthly ministry. God led him to choose 12 men who would be the disciples. And now Jesus is preparing to go back to the Father. Jesus told him in John 14, don't let your heart be troubled. If you believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. He said, I am going to prepare a place for for you. So Jesus ascended to the Father. I don't know what heaven's going to be like. I know the Bible gives us descriptions, but it must be incredible because for 2,000 years, the Bible says he went to prepare a place for us. You know, when a couple gets married, the groom gets the house together. He gets everything pulled together so that when the wife comes, they have a wonderful place to abide together. I want to tell you the heavenly bridegroom, Jesus Christ went back to the Father and it's there that he's preparing a place for us and it won't be long until he's going to come back and he's going to get the heavenly bride together and together we're going to be forever together in that place. He's been preparing. 
So before he ascends back to the Father, he told the disciples these words. He said, I want you to wait in Jerusalem. How many of y'all waiting is not something we want to hear? We are always saying, go Jesus, go Jesus. Jesus saying, wait. Wait. Wait for the promise of the Father. Acts 1, 4, and 5. Jesus said, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift. How many of y'all like gifts? Come on, be honest. Christmas, I doubt Christmas. People give you gifts, you say, no, I don't want any of those, thanks. We all like gifts. Jesus said, wait for the gift. Oh, listen, the Holy Spirit was a gift to the church. Oh, my friends, I fear that we have set him aside as something different. Jesus said he's a gift. He's a gift my Father is giving to you. Wait on the gift my Father's promise, he said, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Acts 1 and 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Their witness would literally take the gospel around the world and eventually the message of the gospel would reach the ears of you and I. We find in Acts 2, the day of Pentecost came and the church was born. It was through the witness of the disciples and the power of the Holy Spirit that thousands upon thousands began hearing, receiving what they heard, and then turning around and sharing the other, with the others the gospel message. As we read through the rest of the New Testament, it is written concerning the work of the Holy Spirit through the church in the continuation of God's plan. Matthew 24 and 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached. Thank you, brother. The gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then, then the end will come. We are not to that time yet. But we're getting closer and closer and closer with every day that passes. This body of believers, you and I, followers of Jesus Christ, we are an extension. We're a part of the plan of God that started in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. Because it was the time and the day when the church was born. There's a lot of folks today who say, I don't like the church. Let me tell you, the church is God's plan. Say, I don't care for the church. My friend, you don't have an argument with me. He's the one that started the church. The church is God's plan. You say, well, I don't like how we do things. The church is God's plan. The church is not just a nice group of people that decides to get together and hang out. 
We are here by the divine mandate of heaven. This church and many other churches that are spread throughout our community, we're a part of the destiny of God's plan for our community. The church is God's answer in the community. Every church in this county is a part of God's plan and God's answer. The call for LHA and every church in our community is to be the church in authenticity. Friends, we are not like the humanitarian groups that are spread around the world. We are not like other charitable organizations. We're to be the church. We're not like any other group anywhere else. There are many groups today in our world, and many of those groups, don't misunderstand me, they're, other, they're doing a great job. We have seen recently with the incredible uh, hurricanes and the disaster that came to Florida and how so many groups have come together to, to reach out, not only, not only what we saw a few weeks ago through Convoy of Hope and, and what many other groups like Convoy of Hope are doing, but there are many groups around the world today that are doing good things. But understand me, they are not the church. Now, the definition, when we look at the word authentic, the definition of the word authentic is this, real or genuine, not copied, not false, made to be or look just like the original. Now, what did the original look like? What did the original do? We see it in the early church throughout the book of Acts. It's just really a continuation. The, it's a continuation of what Jesus began in his earthly ministry. What had Jesus been doing? We see him throughout the Gospels, healing the sick, opening blind eyes, setting the captives free, delivering those who were bound and possessed by the devil, bringing hope to the hopeless. He was bringing peace to the restless and strength to those who were weary. What did Jesus say would happen in John 14 and verse 12? He said these words, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have been doing and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. Why did he go to be with the Father? We talked about earlier to prepare a place for us. And when he went away, he said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. What happened when the Holy Spirit came? We find the church was born in power and authenticity. What do you see in the early church throughout the book of Acts? Really, we see the same things Jesus did. The sick were healed, miracles took place, signs and wonders were common. Those who were bound and possessed were set free, and hope, hope dawned 
on the horizon of hopelessness. May I ask you today, does that description sound like any other group or organization in the world? In Mark 16, he said, these signs will accompany those who believe. Do these signs follow any other group? God's plan for the church in the book of Acts is the same as the the call of the church in 2018. And it is a call for us to be authentic. Here's where we can lead. We've experienced the love of God. We know the call to love others like God does. We know that we've been given life to live in Jesus. He said, I've come that you may have life and you may have it to the full. But there comes a point when we've received the love and we are living the life that he promised But there's also a call to us to lead forth with the pearl of great price that he's put inside of us. It's the answer of all answers. It's the most relevant word of all time. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. I know times have changed. I know culture has changed in our world has dramatically changed. Go back a hundred years and compare that to all of the humanity, a timeline of humanity, and you'll find we have excelled extraordinarily in the last hundred years. Times have changed. But no matter the times, men and women still need a Savior. Men and women still are on their way to an eternity without God and without hope. Men and women are still in need of a Savior, but the good news is God sent a Savior. His name is Jesus. Here's where we can lead. We've received from Him. Now it's time to step out and to lead. We're quickly approaching Jesus' words in Matthew 24 when he said the gospel we preach in all nations and then the end will come. See, the heart of this message today is really one of encouragement for us to fulfill what God has called us to be, the church. But can I break it down a little smaller? Because the church, I've told you many times, is not this building. This is an empty shell. This building is void of life without you. You and I are the church. So when we talk about the church being a place and and an entity of authenticity, really what we're talking about is you and I as believers being people of authenticity. To be what no one else can be. To do what no one else can do. And to say what no one else can say. Please don't misunderstand me. I want you to grasp the heart behind it. It's not a thing of, well, look at us and we're better than every other group. I'm just telling you, friends, the answer, the answer for our world is Jesus. 
And Jesus is the head of the church. He's the only hope that we have. You and I, we have a unique call to be light in the darkness. We read it earlier, like a city sent on a hill that can't be hidden. Like a light. Scripture says you don't light a candle and put a bowl over it. No, when the light's there, you hold it up so everyone can see the light. That's the call. That's the call of the church. Jesus said in Matthew 5 and 13, you're the salt of the earth. 5 and 14, you're the light of the world. A city on a hilltop cannot be hidden. Verse 16, in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Mark 16 and 15, preach the good news to everyone. Here's the dilemma facing the church in America today. And if I could draw it a little closer, I would say the church in Grant County, and I would draw it a little closer and say LHA Church. We have been so blessed in America today. We have been so prosperous, so wealthy, that in this incredible nation you and I live in, what we have found is that we don't need God. We live in our own means, we live in our own abilities. We live in our own ways. We've been blessed beyond measure, and now our blessing, if we're not careful, is becoming our curse for our prosperity has caused us to forget God. The one on whom our nation was founded. In America, we have pushed him out of every facet of life, and as a result, we are a nation without God and a nation without God will be left to its own devices. And our beloved nation, my friends, is crumbling from within today. As the culture and the tide of society is changing, it brings forth new challenges as the church, as we set our sights on impacting a nation who doesn't need God. The church in America has become many things to many people. And the church's honest and earnest desire is to accomplish the work of Christ. And we've tried to adapt to our culture to be relevant. We have all altered our methods and we have done our best to make the message palatable. But my friends, the call today is the same. Be the church in authenticity. Be the church that Christ empowered. Be the church that God ordained and equipped. Be light in the darkness. A city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. It's not, if you will, I'm not talking about uh, arguments over methods or new ways or old ways. I'm talking about a state of authenticity. The real deal. It's about substance. 
It's about a tangible expression of the power of God. You see, throughout the New Testament church, we really don't hear much about their method. But what we can absolutely ascertain is they were a church of substance. Acts chapter 3, verses 6 through 8, then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking the lame man by the hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong, and he jumped to his feet and began to walk. Don't misunderstand me. I think we ought to use every method available to reach this nation for Jesus Christ. But my friend, the method is not as important as the substance. We must have something to give. As things continue to change in our nation and more desperate days come, we must have substance so when people, you see, when people are drowning, they don't care how you got there to where they're at. All they want to know is, can you pull me out of the water? That's it. If you've ever been working with a hammer and nails, and you pull that hammer back to hit the uh, nail and you hit the wrong nail inadvertently you don't care how anybody gets to you to help you you just say i need help i'm hurting right now i need you to help me when people are drowning they don't care how the lifeboat gets there they just want to be rescued. Do you remember when he rescued you? I remember when he rescued me. I can't imagine where I'd be if he hadn't pulled me out of the waters and saved me. I want to bring this around to a passage that you are most likely familiar with Zechariah chapter 4 and verse 6. Zechariah 4 and verse 6 says, So he said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. It's important that we understand what was going on in the day when the Holy Spirit enabled Zechariah to pen these words. Biblical history tells us, gives us a picture in 2 Chronicles 36 that Israel had turned her face away from God. Israel had began to mock God's messengers. They despised his word. They scoffed at his work until this this. This, as I was in preparation this week for today, this line just stood to me, until the wrath of God was aroused against them. They had turned their back on God. And in response to them turning their back on God, God brought King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon against them. 
They were carried off into captivity, biblical history tells us, for 70 years. The Babylonians came in, tore down the gates of the city, tore down the walls of Jerusalem, tore down the temple, carried off all the articles in the temple of God to Babylonia. 2 Chronicles 36 and verse 19 describes that situation. It says they set fire to God's temple, broke down the walls of Jerusalem. They burned all the palaces and destroyed everything of value there. For 70 years, we find the people of Israel were in exile. At the end of that 70-year period, The king of Persia had come into power over Babylonia and Cyrus, the king of Persia, moved upon by God, sent Israel back home to build the temple. Listen, you may think things are out of hand. You may think that God is not working. You may think God is not listening, but God always has a plan. Even at the end of the 70 years of captivity, God had a plan. You say, I don't see it coming. My friend, God can even use the devil's people to fulfill his plan. So at the end of 70 years, Cyrus, king of Persia, moved upon by God, and he sent Israel back home to rebuild the temple. Jerusalem is now, we find it, it's a land of desolation, and the work would have essentially been impossible For any man to accomplish. Why? Because not only was it in desolation, but there were enemies of God there that would fight against them as they tried to rebuild the walls of the city. So it's in that that picture and that event that we find the word of the Lord comes to Zerubbabel, Zechariah 4 and 6. This would have been a word of encouragement to him. This task was about bringing the presence of God back among his people. These restorations would not need an army of workers as it did in the beginning when Solomon built the temple. It would not rely upon the strength of the workers. In fact, Nehemiah records that the strength of the workers failed because the work was so strenuous. What God was saying to Zerubbabel in this passage was that the work would succeed because of the supernatural grace that the Lord would provide by His Spirit. Friend, I pray today for supernatural grace. I pray today for supernatural grace upon us as believers. I pray for supernatural grace upon us today as his church. I pray for supernatural grace in the day that you and I live. Verse 7 said there would be obstacles. They would be like mountains before them. But God said, I'll reduce the mountain before you and I will assist you in accomplishing the task. Friends, we've been trying so hard in so many desperate ways to make an impact and to be the light that Jesus spoke about. But I believe the word through Zechariah to Zerubbabel is a word for us today. It is not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord.
It's not in our ways, not in our thoughts, not in our ideas. This work God has called us to carry on is nothing natural. It is solely spiritual. So what's the call for you and I today? What's the relevant word? It's to be authentic. Time to be the city set on a hill. A lighthouse and a lifeboat. We need substance if we are to be like the early church. He must empower us. And as he does, I believe we will see the things that characterize the early church again in the church of 2018. We can and we must be the church that he intended. We can fulfill the words of Mark 16 and 15, these signs will follow them that believe. We can be like the disciples in Mark 16 and 20. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere, and the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied the word. Our call is the call to authenticity. It's a call to authenticity. People need the message of the gospel, just like you, just like me. We too needed the gospel message. We too needed the answer for our lives. So this morning, as I was preparing for today, and I was wondering what, uh, what I might share with you in the end. There have been many times that I have asked you as a congregation to come around the front of our church as a means of commitment and prayer together. This morning I'd like to ask you in a few moments, so I'd like to ask you to respond. And I want to lead us in a prayer together as a congregation. Friends, may we never lose sight of what's most important. I enjoy living life and I live I enjoy living life to the full and I'm like you I kind of enjoy when it's cold outside getting up and it's warm in my house. I enjoy the many blessings that come my way. But those things are just things. They're here today and the truth is they can be gone tomorrow. As quickly as we have gained them, we can lose them all. When it's all said and it's all done, what is it that will really matter? When those around us that we have shared thoughts and opinions with on life, how many of y'all know we all have an opinion? Everything going on in the government, everybody's got an opinion. 
Everybody has the right answer for the senators and the congressmen and the president and the vice president. We all know, we, we can all fix it today. We all have, how many, you know what I'm talking about? Y'all sit in those groups, y'all talk with those people like I do. You know, we're just waiting on a phone call from Washington. We can give them in five minutes the answer, and it's all resolved. <laughs> we're very quick to give opinions and thoughts on things. But you know what? May I not be known just for my thoughts and my opinions on politics and the world economy. Because the people around me who are dying without Jesus Christ, when they step into eternity, it will not matter what my thoughts and opinions were on the political system or the economy or anything else. All that will matter is, did you tell me about Jesus Christ? See, I'm not responsible for people to accept the message of the gospel. But I am responsible to tell them. That's the responsibility put in my care. The rest is on him. The rest is on him. Would you bow your heads this morning? My Father in heaven, this morning I just come to you right now. And Father, I do so today in a heart of humility. And I do so today knowing, God, that it is uh, not in anything. God, it's not in my words. It's not in my thoughts. I can't be wise enough. I can't be clever enough, God, to accomplish the task of this morning in this room. God, I am utterly dependent upon you. I'm utterly dependent upon your leading. Father, I am utterly dependent upon your leading as we close this time together today. Father, I just ask you that you would talk to us this morning about authenticity. About being the real deal. Father, I ask right now that you'll just talk to us. I pray, Father, right now. God, if we're living in a state of hypocrisy, Holy Spirit, speak to us. Holy Spirit, we just ask you right now. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, just speak to our hearts right now. God, I believe your call and your words to us today, you're calling us out to be be people of authenticity, the authentic thing. Oh God, speak to us right now. In a world of confusion, in a world of uh, distrust, in a world of such confusion, we don't, we don't know who to follow in our world today. God, in that kind of climate, your call to your people is to be authentic. People of truth. People of honesty. People of righteousness. People of purity before you. 
Father, in Jesus' name, right now, would you just speak to our hearts? In Christ's name. Friends, would you please keep your heads bowed for the next few moments? Friend, if you're here and you're struggling with authenticity, you're struggling because of some things, some areas in your life. There's no reason, friends, for us to go any farther right now. and We need to settle this between us and the Lord. It's not about a case of perfection. Because the truth is, none of us here are perfected. But I'm asking about today, are you struggling with authenticity in your life? With heads bowed this morning, how many right where you're at would just say, I'm struggling with authenticity in my life, and I need God's help. Lift your hand if that's you. Yes. 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 You can put your hand down, friend, after you've raised it. How many others you might say, I'm struggling with authenticity. I don't have to know what that means. You just know what it means. You say, I'm just struggling with authenticity, and God is speaking to my heart today. How many others you lift up your hand and say, that's me. I need God's help today. I want to lead us in a prayer right now. Friends, I feel the Holy Spirit here. I don't believe this is a shouting loud time. I believe this is a sober moment right now as God is speaking to our hearts. Friend, if you want God's help, pray this prayer from your heart. Let's pray it all across the room. Dear Heavenly Father, in humility, I come to you today. I'm struggling with authenticity. And I need your help. Father, if there's anything in my life that's not pleasing to you, would you forgive me? I give you those areas and yield my life to you. I can't be authentic in my own power. I need your power. Would you come and help me in this moment? I ask you to cleanse me completely. No part dark no hidden part of my life. Cleanse me, I pray. Make me authentic. In your power, in Jesus' name, amen. Friend, you and I can't be authentic in our own power. We need his I'm flawed. He is flawless. I am unable 
He is able to do all things. I'm going to ask you this morning in closing, if it's the prayer of your heart today, that you would be able to lead forth in authenticity, that you'd be authentic in him today. If that's you, would you, would you just stand and would you come and find a place to stand around the front together? If you say, my desire is I want to be authentic in him. And I want to lead forth in Jesus' name with authenticity. If that's you, would you just come and gather around the front and join me together today? All across the room, if that's your prayer and your desire, come together and we're going to pray together today. I believe with all of my heart God is doing something in some hearts today. I don't know who. I don't know what. I'm telling you, out of the ordinary, I feel the presence of the Holy Spirit here this morning. It, this is not an accidental thing that we're doing. I'll get to you in a minute, Charlie. Thank you. Thank you that you do speak to us. Thank you, Father, there are no accidents in your kingdom. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, that your word is relevant and that you don't make any mistakes. Holy Spirit still speaks, doesn't he, church? He still speaks. In closing, um, I, I was reminded of the temple. Solomon gathered all the people together. Solomon, as the king, made a declaration that day. And the people came together in unison and affirmed have been said. I felt challenged by that for us this morning. Here's what I'd like for us to do. I'd like to lead us in a prayer. I know I just did that a minute ago, but there's something about the body in unison together. And so here's what I'd like to do. Um, you don't have to close your eyes or you can't close your eyes. God's not concerned about your eyes being open or closed. What he is looking for is our hearts. 
So if your prayer and your desire is to be authentic, I'd like to ask you to pray this prayer along with me. Let us pray together. God, we want to fulfill your call and your destiny. Help us to be authentic. We declare today we cannot do it in our own strength. Our might is not enough. God of the church, we ask you to fill us again with your spirit and with your power. Bring back substance to the life of the church. Today, I surrender all that I am. Take me. Fill me. Use me to be a lighthouse, a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Help me to be a part of your answer in our community. Help us to be yours in authenticity. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, today as we stand before you and we have declared together today as a body of believers... Father, thank you for confirming your word to our hearts. Thank you for the desire you've placed in our hearts to be yours. Father, I'm so thankful for your love, and I'm so thankful for the life you've given. But without a shadow of a doubt, I believe you're bringing us into a season where you're calling us as a congregation to lead. Lead by being the light in the darkness. Lead by being like a city set on a hill that can't be hidden. Your people in authenticity, the real deal the real deal Lord help us today to not be the counterfeit help us to be the real deal I pray help us today help us today and Father I ask you today as we set forth to lead Would you lead us? Holy Spirit, we invite you to give leadership in every facet and area of our church. Lord, we ask you to be the head that we might follow. Give us hearts of surrender. Give us hands that are willing. 
and a life that is yielded to you, I pray. Father, may your plan and your purpose be accomplished in this community. And may we be a part. May we be a part of what you're doing. We trust you for it. I believe. I believe, Father, you're doing something in this place right now, in this moment. And I just yield it to you, Lord. Do your work in us, I pray. To you, Lord, be all the glory. To you be all the honor. To you be all the praise. Both now and forevermore. In the name of Jesus, we ask it. And the church said together in unison, so be it. So be it in Jesus' name. So be it in Jesus' name. May his blessing be on you today. May you know, not just with your head, but may you know with your heart the depth of his incredible love for you. May you experience the riches of his grace. And may daily you walk in his strength that comes from his joy. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over out of your life. We love you. I look forward to all the things that God has for us yet as a body of believers together. If you've been here for, uh, this is your first week, or you've been here for years and years and years, I look forward to the things that God has for us together. May the Father keep his hand upon your life every day, and may you walk in his grace. God bless you today. May the joy of the Lord always be your strength. God bless you. Have a great week in Jesus. God bless you.